0: On April 6, 1901, Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati was born in the city of Turin, Italy. Born to an upper class family, he constantly went against the currents of his culture with the conviction of a true Christian. He never became a great intellectual or a prolific writer or the founder of a religious order. His life was that of an ordinary Christian, marked by the simple and sincere pursuit of God's will each and every day. Pier Giorgio died at age 24, and many young people are attracted to Pier Giorgio because of his youth. He also had a passion for mountaineering, which represented to him both a physical challenge and a mystical union with God. He also saw the need to serve others by making his life into an altar of sacrifice for those in need. At his funeral, crowds gathered that were unknown to his family and friends, but later were identified as all the individuals Pier Giorgio touched. his witness of faith in service and action. The beauty of Pier Giorgio was his joie de vivre, his ability to be faithful to the gospel, yet profoundly love life within rich friendships. Sometimes, we convince ourselves that the only way to follow Jesus is through seclusion, by rejecting everything that is enjoyable in this world, whereas Pier Giorgio saw the beauty of fellowship with his Christian brothers and sisters. Finally, What Pier Giorgio and all the saints teach us is how greatly we need each other to grow in holiness. We have within ourselves a coal of faith that burns brightly in some and not so brightly in others. The saints are the great coals consumed by the fire of the Holy Spirit. When we draw near to these holy men and women and each other, we can only stoke the fire and burn brighter ourselves. As it says in the letter to the Hebrews, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us draw closer to each other and the saints so that the coal of faith may burn brighter in us all. My name is Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara-Man. I'm Chris Dimitranco. And I'd like to first off thank our intern, Lawrence Foucault, who wrote that beautiful reflection on pure Giorgio Frassati. I usually write the opening commentary, but I thought this one was too good to pass. And it's good to celebrate our saints and blessings, so thank you, Lawrence. And Chris, we had a bit of a break. Uh, did you have a good Easter? Sure. I had an excellent
1: Easter. I was able to get out of the city and to spend it with friends in Ottawa. Nice, and we
0: had good mm-hmm. weather too. So um, I always like this time of the year and uh, having the nice weather helps too. Unfortunately, the Catholic Church has been on the news and it's not necessarily because of Easter.
1: No, and it's it's unfortunate that it did coincide during Easter, the, uh, the sex abuse crisis, all the news about this. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna be talking about that today, about uh, some of the acknowledgements in the Vatican during Easter, uh, there weren't many, um, as well as uh, a new report about the Shroud of Turin. And um, it's been claimed that Adolf Hitler tried to steal it, and finally, we're going to be talking about a prayer for Pope Benedict that we hope that all of you will be joining in in novena.
0: Good, and we'll have details on those stories in a little bit, and as always, Mary Rose uh, will also be back with events. Uh, she'll be telling us what's happening in dioceses across the country. Now, Chris, do you remember a 12-year-old girl who did her school speech last year on abortion?
1: Yeah, and in some circles that video went uh, viral, I guess you could say.
0: 900,000 hits
1: so far, Incredible! Um,
0: but it, it's school speech time again, and mm-hmm. this year she's now 13, she's in grade 8, and she's tackled the subject of euthanasia. I
1: haven't seen this one yet.
0: Well, you're going to have to look it up, and uh, if you stick around, we'll be speaking to Leah and her mom in about 15 minutes. Um, about her speech and about her she's growing up to be quite the uh, pro-life activist and after that we'll be speaking to our featured artist of the week singer songwriter and former salt and light radio guest dennis grady who has news about an exciting catholic music event that's coming to calgary Um, but before that we begin as we do always with a song here's dennis grady with his song yes i do from his grace in the strangest places album
2: Fly on the wings of an eagle I want to swim where the water is clear I want to be with happy people and I'm glad that you're all here I want to live until my breath is gone till the tears roll out my face I want to look the sun right in the eye and keep sorrow in his place and oh yes I do oh the prairie and reminisce with the wind. I want to see that golden ball of fire light up the sky again. I want to call my girl from a desert cafe and get back on the road again. I want to see my friends in Juarez Town, down by the Rio Grande. Oh yes I do. Oh yes I do. I'm 47 and my sister is gone things slip away Brothers and I used to swim in Jennings Creek. It was a baptism in the summertime under the golden knee. Now the years have passed and we reminisce of the innocence back then. And I believe in the simple things. Yes, I believe, amen. Oh, yes, I.
0: That was Dennis Grady with his song, Yes I Do, from his Grace in the Strangest Places album. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Our email address is radio at salt And our blog can be found at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. My name is Pedro, and here now with me is Mary Rose for our first event segment.
3: Thank you, Pedro. Now, the Office of Vocations for the Diocese of Calgary has a great event coming up. Theologian George Weigel will be speaking on Lessons from the Life of Pope John Paul II. And that takes place on April 14th, 7.30pm at Sacred Heart Church in Calgary. Some people might not know who uh, George Weigel is. He is the author and editor of 20 books, including Letters to a Young Catholic, which is a great book, by the way, and Witness to Hope, the biography of Pope John Paul II. So for more information, contact the Office of Vocations for the Diocese of Calgary or check their website, rcdiocese-calgary.ab.ca. And as you may know, the new Bishop of Saskatoon is Bishop Donald Bolin, and Salt Light covered his ordination, and Pedro was with the crew, of course.
0: Yes, it was a good, good, uh, good fun time in Saskatoon.
3: Now, the Diocese of Saskatoon Foundations Program is sponsoring an evening with the new Bishop, on April 15th at 7 30 p.m. The event is called Theology Uncourt with Bishop Donald Bolin Interesting. and you can join the group at the Ivy Lounge at 301 Ontario Avenue at 24th Street for a casual evening of discussions with Bishop Bolin. The topic is hopes and struggles and visions an evening of, of reflections on life in the church and you can renew your relationship with God with spiritual exercises to nurture your soul young adults ages 18 to 40 are invited to a sabbath 2009 retreat at saint benedict's retreat and conference center in winnipeg from april 15th to 18th you will be led by experienced spiritual directors and spend each day with a mix of silence spiritual exercises worship reflections and small group sharing the cost is 75 dollars and for further information visit their website at stbens.bens.ca. And finally, I just received a fax here from Dan Moynihan, our friend and Youth Ministry Specialist for the Diocese of London. He wants us, Pedro, to let people know that the London Diocese is hosting its first ever Youth Forum from May 6th to May 9th. And registrations are going on right now until April 26th, so the earlier you know about this, the better. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, each parish and high school is invited to choose one senior high school student to participate in this event. And so they become, in a sense, a voice for their peers as they immerse themselves in prayer, formation, and dialogue. Uh, And prayer includes discussion of contemporary moral issues, their prayer times of scripture. Participants will also get to interact with Bishop Ronald Fabro, Father John Sharp, Father Thomas Ruzica, and others. And the dormitories, since it's a four-day event, will be fully chaperoned, just in case you want to know that. Mm-hmm. So as I said again before, registration forms are due April 26th. For more information, contact Dan Moynihan at d-m-o-y-n-i-h-a-n at r-c-e-c dot london dot, dot c-a. Mm-hmm. So that's d-moynihan at r-c-e-c dot london dot o-n dot
0: Yes, and I'm sure people can get more information at the Lon- London Diocesan website. Um, I didn't know people stand, still send faxes. That's great that Dan <laughs> is sending us a fax. <laughs> Thank you, Mary Rose. Um, Mary Rose will be back at the end of the show with details uh, about some events taking place in on the East Coast in Newfoundland. So uh, stay tuned for that. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel and on the internet at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man and Mary Rose just left on a little break, and Chris is here now with me uh, to tell us a bit about the news over Easter.
1: That's right, and, and Pedro, I wanted to ask you, first of all, if, if during the Easter services that, that you attended over the Tridium, whether there was any mention at all of the sex abuse scandal. Yes,
0: yes there was. In fact, on Holy Thursday, our pastor uh, addressed the issue, and I found out from some of my friends in Panama that on Good Friday, hmm. some of their pastors in their parishes had spoken about the uh, the sex abuse scandals.
1: Well, it seems like, like uh, a lot of Uh, Parishes maybe have been commenting on it more than perhaps the Vatican did. Uh, But before before that, anecdotally, it seems like it didn't really affect attendance very much. Uh, Most parishes that you heard about were full, as always, on Easter. In fact, there was a very good article in the Ottawa Citizen uh, by Jennifer Green uh, titled Keeping the Faith. It was on the front page of the Citizen over Easter, talking uh, and sharing the stories of a number of different Catholics who who uh, were staying with the faith, it doesn't seem like many people would choose not to go to to the church for Easter because of because of the news. Now as for the Vatican there were uh, two particular mentions um, of the sex abuse case, both times that it was mentioned in the Vatican uh, there was definitely some some blowback from this and uh, particularly the first time that it was mentioned by the Capuchin father Reniero He he's the preacher to the papal household and he took the opportunity to discuss the sex abuse crisis before uh, his homily during the good friday liturgy in the vatican the pope was present now he compared the attacks to the church and the pope to the most shameful aspects of anti-semitism and he was quoting a jewish friend who compared this criticism to uh, attempts in the past to place collective guilt on jews Now this comparison that that Father Cantillamasa did uh, sparked a lot of criticism, particularly from Jewish leaders who said that the bad press that the Pope has received is not comparable to the violent assaults suffered by Jews as a result of anti-Semitic propaganda ultimately culminating in the Holocaust as we know. Now according to the Holy See Press Office, the Pope and other Vatican officials didn't know about Father Cantillamasa's comments in advance and this wasn't the position of the Holy See In fact, Father Cantillamassa distanced himself from his own comments, saying, If against my intention I've hurt the Jewish people's feelings and those of victims of child abuse, I'm truly sorry and ask forgiveness. There was another mention, uh, and this happened on Easter Sunday, by, by Cardinal Angelo Sodano, the Dean of the College of Cardinals, who gave a greeting to the Pope during the Mass, and he defended him as the unfailing rock of the Church. He praised the church's 400,000 priests and he affirmed the church's support for the Pope by saying, Holy Father, the people of God are with you and they do not allow themselves to be impressed by the current petty gossip or by the ordeals that occasionally strike the community of believers. And some found that uh, referring to the situation as petty gossip was perhaps making too light of you know, a very serious issue. Um, Father Lombardi, again, the, the uh, the Vatican press uh, a director told Catholic news service that neither that the Pope didn't request uh, this defense of him or he didn't know of it in advance himself and uh, He said that the Pope doesn't have time to personally preview all the speeches or brief greetings that are addressed to him uh, some commentators say that uh, these messages by Cardinal Sedano and Father Cantalamessa show that uh, that the Vatican can't really even stay on message unfortunately during Easter and that that these uh, messages that unfortunately stole the show from what the Pope had to say during these solemn Easter liturgies. And uh, um, yet on the other hand, if no mention was made of the abuse scandal, it could appear that the Pope was being isolated from criticism or that they were trying to ignore an important issue, so it's, it's kind of a loose-loose situation.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's another story. I feel like every every <laughs> every time we speak, I say, that's a story that we'll keep developing and we'll keep following. I think this one will go for a long time. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Chris. Um, that's the news for now, but Chris, will return in about 20 minutes to tell us uh, some interesting news about the Shroud of Turin. Mm-hmm. Um, so stay tuned.
3: You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117.
0: About a year ago, we spoke to a 12-year-old who courageously went against her teacher's advice and did her school speech on the topic of abortion. Leah's parents posted the video on YouTube so her relatives could watch the speech and next thing you know, the video's had some 400,000 views. It has been translated to Spanish, Portuguese and Polish and Leah is the target of both attacks and praise. Well, I finally connected with Leah in person at last year's National March for Life in Ottawa, where she delivered her speech in front of some 8,000 people. Leah is now 13 years old. She's in grade 8, and it's speech time again, and she decided to speak out against euthanasia. So Leah and her mom, Kim, join us now on the phone. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio.
4: Thank you, Pedro. Thank so, you.
0: Leah. Leah, why, why euthanasia? Didn't you have enough with the heavy topics last year?
5: I thought that after I learned, what I learned from the topic of abortion is that the human life is very special and that we have to value that life. So what I learned about the sanctity of human life um, from abortion, I also realized that it has to be from conception all the way till death. And euthanasia has been a growing, growing more common It's become more common. It's now been introduced in the House of Commons, Bill C-384. And so I really felt moved in my spirit to do that topic.
0: Well, good for you. Now, Kim, tell me, um, how did did the teachers in the school respond this time?
4: Well, I think that it was um, a, a lot different this year. I think there may be two reasons for that. One is They kind of know Leah, so they know where she's coming from. They know that she's going to be kind of firm on her position. So I think part of it was that there wasn't a lot of kerfuffle because they kind of know where she's coming from and Mm -hmm. she's going to stand firm. But the other thing is I think euthanasia is not quite the same kind of topic as abortion is, so there wasn't the same backlash um, because of the uh, euthanasia speech like there was with the abortion speech.
0: Right, right. Leah, What uh, the speeches already happened, right? Yeah. Okay, so how did you do?
5: Well, I, I ended up being at the final stages of representing my class in the school level, mm-hmm. but I didn't actually make it to the school level.
0: Okay, yeah. How, how have your friends or your classmates responded to you um, this year um, after the speech? Did, did you get to have conversations with them about it or anything like that?
5: Well, like my mom said it was it's not as controversial a topic I think it's not as commonly known right um, and so not very many people knew about it right. there are some other people who have done projects in the past maybe something like that and so they know some something about it so sometimes we have debates like outside of school right but it's not like like mentioned my mom mentioned before it's not as commonly known and as widely debated um, although it is getting more widely debated now. Um, yeah, so not very many people knew right. about it. So, But that gave me a chance to introduce it to them and explain right. the problems to it. Now, as you,
0: it. as you were doing your research on this topic, what was what were the maybe one or, or two main things that you learned that you didn't know before?
5: Well, actually, I didn't know anything about <laughs> euthanasia before. Really? I I'd heard about it because of Bill C-384. Yeah. Um, and... Um, yeah so when i when i was doing my research i found that there are three different types of euthanasia Mm -hmm. and um one one of them really bothers me like they all bother me but one of them really gets at me and that's um involuntary
2: yeah
5: involuntary euthanasia yeah and um that's where the doctor can just end the purse and the patient's life without the consent of the family. Right. And that's that I just don't think that anyone should be given the power to end life at like at any stage. Right. Like it was it was created by God, it should be ended by God or it just at least ended naturally instead of being ended before its time. Right. So I that that one really bothered me yeah. to find out that and that's actually That happens a lot. Mm -hmm. It's happened in the Netherlands, uh, specifically.
0: Right. It happens in Canada, too. Are you there? I think I lost them, Javier. I'm here still. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, you're there. Um, um, uh, Just a note, then, let me take a break and say that anyone that might be joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro, and I'm speaking with a 13-year-old pro-life speaker, Leah, and her mom, Kim, uh, Leah prepared her speech this year on the topic of euthanasia. Um, Kim, how how have you seen your daughter grow in the last year with these topics?
4: Wow, <laughs> that's, that's huge. I mean, I think as a family we've grown, and I think Leah has kind of led us into that. Um, but how she has specifically grown, I mean, she's definitely matured. She's definitely um, been more educated on these topics and I think I may have mentioned last year she's actually the one that's educating our family on these topics which is mm. kind of unique but just I've seen her grow in her heart of compassion I've seen her become more passionate about needing to stand for life I've seen her you know being able to be bold and and have answers for people who have tough questions for her I've seen her be able to you know in the face of opposition answer grace gracefully and graciously and she's just generally matured and something I'm really proud of.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Leah, can you share with us a part of your speech?
4: Okay. This
5: is, part that I, this is one part that I chose. If euthanasia is allowed, the frail line of trust between doctor and patient would be destroyed. How could patients believe that their doctors are protecting and benefiting their lives when they are counseling towards death? It's also possible that the doctors would abuse their power, like the Dutch doctors who euthanized people without their consent. This is a big issue because studies have, this is a big issue because studies have shown that people are sometimes euthanized simply because they are costing too much money to keep alive. Do we really value human life so little? The devaluing of human life was behind the terrors of Nazi Germany. Before the Nazis' extermination camps, there was euthanasia. The terror started by killing the sick, the old, the mentally ill, and the disabled. Finally, they began exterminating the undesirables, like Jews and homosexuals. It is easy to see from the Nazis' example how the definitions for bad quality of life as pain and suffering can become extremely broad. The Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms states that everybody has the right to life, liberty, and the security of persons. By allowing euthanasia into our country, we are defying those basic rights. If euthanasia is a threat to even one person, it is a threat to us all. When will someone else decide that your life is no longer worth living?
0: Well done. Thank you for that. Um, one last question. I'll let you both answer. I'll let your mom go first, okay, Leah? Kim, mm-hmm. uh, is, is do you think Leah is growing up to be a pro-life activist?
4: <laughs> you know, that's a very interesting question because... I think it's nothing that I, we would have expected as a family, but it seems to be something that God is definitely leading her into. I mean, she she regularly speaks um, at women's health clinics or at um, you know at the March for Life. She spoke. She goes to schools to speak. She's going to be speaking at the film festival next week, so she's speaking on it. She's also standing for um, abortion our abortion issue by doing prayer meetings and fasting and and talking to people about it so it seems like this is something that's really stirring in her spirit and it seems like something that she's kind of having more opportunities to walk into so maybe (laughs) maybe this is where she's headed for a long term
0: leah what do you think are you growing up to be an activist
5: well i I don't know what the future holds for me i haven't really decided what i'm going to be when i grow up yet but it's definitely something that that could be a possibility. God has really given me a gifting in speaking. <laughs> mm-hmm. that out from the start. start. Um, and so, yeah, I, I enjoy it a lot. And, uh, yeah, I think God, could, it could be a possibility. God could be really calling me there.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I definitely, I think God is calling you and through you touching a lot of people. So thank you for mu- so much for what you do. Thank you, Kim. And thank you both uh, for speaking with us today.
4: Thank you, Pedro. It's been wonderful.
0: That was 13-year-old pro-life speaker, Leah, and her mom, Kim. Now, you can find both speeches on YouTube. The euthanasia speech has garnered about 8,000 hits. And the abortion one, the one from last year, it's now up to almost 900,000 hits. Um, And here now is our featured artist of the week, Dennis Grady, with He Is God from His Grace in the Strangest Places album. God. That was Dennis Grady with his song, He is God. We will be speaking to Dennis coming up, but first here back with us is Chris.
1: Yes, Pedro, the Shroud of Turin was in the news this week because of, and this was this is quite sensational news, the revelation that Adolf Hitler plotted to steal the Shroud. Uh, I'm not sure what he was going to do with it, but, but for those who don't know, the Shroud of Tur- Turin uh, many believe is the burial shroud of Jesus Christ, and uh, um, it, it bears the, the image of him, a, a negative image uh, that many people believe to, to be Jesus. It shows wounds from the crucifixion. I know you did a show on the Shroud right of Turn for Catholic Church, Yeah, Yeah, it's
0: a fascinating story. So there's a, it's a 3D image imprinted on the throu- shroud, which cannot be recreated mm. with paint, or nobody can figure out how it got there. Now you, have you seen it in person? No, I haven't because, in fact, it's it's locked up usually. I think it's released now for the anniversary for a brief period of time so people can see it. That's right. I've only seen the replica.
1: Yes, it's very rare that it's being shown, and it will be shown later this year. In May, Pope Benedict will be going to see the Shroud, mm-hmm. um, even though the Church hasn't officially recognized it to be authentic. No. Uh, but it was, uh, it was this week in an Italian magazine, Diva e Dona, that uh, a Benedictine priest who is a director of, of an abbey in Italy uh, says that, that it was moved to this abbey from its, its regular place, the Cathedral of St. John the Baptist in Turin, um, not because at the time they said that they were moving it for bombing, but really this, this priest is saying they were moving it on orders from the Vatican uh, because Adolf Hitler was obsessed with the relic. And this was in 1939 at the beginning of World War II and as you know the the Italians and the Germans were were allied at that time and uh, there were concerns that that Nazis were going to try to steal the Shroud of Turin and apparently the uh, father Andrea this Benedictine monk told the magazine that the church grew concerned and hid the shroud after Nazi aides were asking unusual and insistent questions about it and then in 1943 four years later the shroud was nearly discovered where it was being hidden uh, at this Benedictine sh- sanctuary when Nazi troops entered the abbey and found monks in deep prayer before the altar, but inside the altars, that's where the relic was hidden. Uh, so very interesting news. So more and more layers of intrigue for yes. the shrine of Turin.
0: Yes, fascinating.
1: And there's one more thing I want to tell you about, Pedro. It's a, it's a prayer for Pope Benedict XVI. Yes. And uh, the Knights of Columbus, are, are you a knight?
0: No, I'm not, and you made me say it and admit oh. it on, on satellite well, you, radio. You can here. always join. You can always join. I probably will, I, and I think all all Catholic men should be knights. There you go. I said it.
1: I, I I think that you're right, and I'm I'm even more zealous as a knight now. I was visiting uh, their museum uh, in New Haven just one week ago. They do great work. They do incredible work. Yes, and and they are launching a novena for Pope Benedict beginning on Divine Mercy Sunday, April 11th. That's tomorrow. And concluding on Monday, April 19th, the fifth anniversary of the Holy Father's election. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm going to read this prayer to you. Um, uh, our listeners can find it on kfc.org and print it out in the, for, in the form of a prayer card. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reads, and, and Peter, if you'll do the refrain parts for me here. Lord, source of eternal life and truth, give to your shepherd Benedict a spirit of courage and right judgment, a spirit of knowledge and love by governing with fidelity those entrusted to his care may he as successor to the apostle peter and vicar of christ build your church into a sacrament of unity love and peace for all the world
0: amen let us pray for benedict the the Pope. pope may the lord preserve him give him a long life make him blessed upon the earth and not hand him over to the power of his enemies
1: may your hand be upon your holy servant
0: and upon your son whom you have anointed
1: and uh, it, the prayer concludes within our Father, Hail Mary, and Glory Be. And again, our listeners can find this at kofc.org, and we invite you to pray for our Holy Father.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, in fact, I had the chance to share this prayer with my family in Panama oh, over really? the weekend, because they were curious. We were talking to them via Skype, and they're curious to see what we have to say about the scandals and all that, and I say we have to pray for the Pope. In fact, there's a there's a, a novena going on, so mm-hmm. it's a great opportunity, and I, I hope people do join in. And if you can't find the novena, pray anything, but pray for the Holy Father and, true. For and the church.
1: And, and, and many people, when they see the news headlines, they might feel helpless, uh, but this is something very real, very tangible
0: that, that we can do. Definitely. So thank you very much. Thank you for that. That's a, a nice way to end our usually heavy news mm-hmm. segment. Thank you, Chris. So our Salt and Light Radio News producer, Chris Matrenko. If you'd like to comment on anything you hear on our program, remember, send us an email, radio at TV.org.
6: I am Andy Carey, and you are listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel Sirius 159 and XM 117.
0: We are all familiar with awards ceremonies, the Oscars, the Junos, the Grammys, the Genies, the Geminis. Now, there are also Catholic Film and TV Awards, the Gabriels. Let me just say that for the last two years, Salt and Light Television has won the award for TV Station of the Year. But have you ever heard of Catholic Music Awards? They are called the Unity Awards, and this year the ceremony will take place in Calgary. And to tell us all about it, we're joined on the phone right now by Canadian Catholic Music Pioneer, Dennis Grady. Dennis, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Hey,
6: Pedro. Good to talk to you again. I
0: know. I know. How's the weather in Calgary?
6: Well, it's not as warm as it is in <laughs> Toronto, but our hockey team's beat up and lost, and we're all cold-hearted about it. But the the, the spring is coming. The sun is out today, so we're very happy.
0: Jesus is risen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so so, what are the Unity Awards?
6: Well, they we started 10 years ago, um, founded by susan stein from heartbeat records in donaldson iowa they started in washington dc and they ran for three years there then they moved around the united states to st paul minneapolis davenport iowa dubinville ohio uh, phoenix arizona and new orleans louisiana and uh, this is the first time it's going to be in canada
0: okay and uh so it's not specifically an american awards thing
6: no it's global as we have a global church and there's lots of Catholic musicians out there. Uh, I'm getting emails from a priest in India who's recorded to see who wants to submit. So oh, really? it's really a global uh, uh, event in that uh, it's, it's, it's a Catholic event, which uh, speaks for itself. And um, the emphasis has really been on to focus on the development of uh, Catholic music as a means of evangelism and uh, to be of service to the Church. And uh, the musicians who are inspired to write songs and record them and get out on the road and uh, and minister with their music. So this acknowledges the creme de la creme, the uh, those talents that are just uh, really producing good music, and, and as a good boost for them, uh, I think morally, is, in in a sense that it's it's a lot of work as you can appreciate yeah. uh, for uh, an artist to. Um, Know, drop their fishing nets and their day gig and uh, go out in faith in a lot of cases to do music ministry. Mm-hmm. So it's a great gathering. I mean, the awards are a key component to it. It, it recognizes uh, a good artistic accomplishment, but I think the other part of it that uh, excites me is the fellowship aspect. Right. Um, I think I've always had a great time at the Unity Awards.
0: Right. So it's not just one one evening. But before we talk about that, can, you mentioned the, this priest in India. So who who gets nominated? Who are these Catholic artists?
6: Well, the process: people submit their material online for nominations. The deadline is May the first at ucnba.com, and it, so it's wide open, and um, people can nominate themselves. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's an adjudication process. Uh, Susan Stein has employed the services of an accounting firm so that it's fair and square. Uh-huh. So, and, and all of that information is is online in terms of the criteria and the various categories that they have.
0: Right. So, anyone can, as long as the song fits one of the categories or the video, because they also award videos, right? That's correct. Um, if it fits in any of the categories, anyone can participate. So, again, and, and I'll mention the website later, but it's uh, the Unity Catholic Music and Video Awards, UCMVA. Um, so, and, and this year is going to take place in Calgary in August, correct?
6: Yeah, 27th and 28th. And something different this year, Pedro, is that we're going to have a conference. I've always been intrigued with all this great talent. You have someone like Bob Halligan, Jr. from Kaylee Rain, who has written for Cher and Michael Bolton. Mm -hmm. He's got an incredible um, list of credits for his songwriting skills. He teaches a music program at the University of Syracuse. So a guy like that coming to town for a couple of days, uh, and we've had him out here to do songwriting workshops, he's brilliant. And the beauty of that is that it can enhance the quality of songs being written uh, in, in addition to other aspects of music ministry, promotion, publicity, uh, just the whole package. So the whole thing of gathering and taking advantage of the, of, of the leadership talent that's here to do this, the conference seminar,
0: right. uh,
6: we, we really feel is going to up the quality of the product.
0: Right, so it's, it's two days, the conference seminar, the 27th and 28th, culminating with the award ceremony on the 28th. That's correct. In the evening in Calgary. And again, all that information, we'll we'll let you know where people can find that information. Just a note, for anyone joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro, and we're speaking with Dennis Grady about the Catholic uh, Unity Awards, the Catholic Music Awards. So Dennis, what is your role?
6: Well, um, I'm going to produce the event. Uh, Susan and I are good friends, and I've watched the development of this since its inception. And um, we, uh, we've got a good team of uh, Catholic volunteers here in Calgary and, and given the spirit of volunteerism with the Stampede and the Olympics. So uh, we're just looking to throw a great party for the Catholic music community globally and its supporters. And uh, so the production part of it simply is organizing all the speakers, doing the publicity promotion, booking the venues, just the uh, the whole
0: package. Right, and hopefully, hopefully I can go out there um, for it. Which would be a lot of fun. Um, you keep mentioning Susan Stein, and I and I feel like we need we need to uh, explain a little bit to our listeners who she is and what Heartbeat Records is. Okay, Susan's
6: sister Dana is uh, known to a lot of uh, Catholics. She won the Eurovision Song Contest in nineteen seventy, had a great recording career, and um, has quite a committed faith. Uh, she yes. has sung for several popes. And um, actually, Susan married an American dentist, uh, Ron Stein. They met in England, and. 30 years ago, they came over to Donaldson, Iowa. Susan promptly set up Heartbeat Records, primarily to promote Dana's music throughout the United States.
0: So it's like a Catholic music label. Catholic
6: music record label. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, at any rate, she just um, started adding, uh, you know, uh, other Catholic artists to her catalog in in addition to books. She does books and CDs. Right. But um, being Irish, she can't go halfway, so (laughs) (laughs) she just says, well, we need an awards program for Catholic musicians because, you know, Catholic musicians at the Dove awards, I mean, our, our, our music is uh, is different in a way that the theology, that there's a contrast in some ways. And I think the whole development of Catholic music is different from the mm-hmm. Protestant model. Yes, yeah. And uh, so anyway, Susan just addressed that and said, okay, let's just do the Unity Awards for Catholic artists. And uh, they work have worked very, very hard over the last 10 years and have accomplished a number of things but uh, they just want to keep going with
0: it. Yeah. Um, the award ceremony, the, the conference, the, uh, it's not till August, so I'm sure we'll have a chance to, to speak about it again, but we did want to let people know now because the deadline for entries is May 1st in case anyone wants to uh, check up the website and uh, and uh, submit their, their song or video. But I, I, I wanted to... I didn't want to leave, Dennis, b- before uh, without speaking to you a little bit about what you've been up to. Last time you were on the show, we talked about your ministry, Franciscan and Friends, And I know you've continued to do that in full force. Um, Can you tell us anything new that's happening with that ministry? Yeah,
6: we're celebrating our sixth year. We've got charitable status. We've done six years in the Caribbean. We've been doing Guatemala for the last five years. And what it is, basically, Pedro, we take an ecumenical team of musicians and volunteers, and we go down into the Caribbean, uh, and we play in the poor parishes. We play in the streets. We we go to the drug rehabs in the prisons, and we just do uh, ministry. Mm -hmm. and all the delegates pay their own way we have a few afro-canadians that we get subsidized but it's a great experience and great mission experience um you know with a a franciscan bent so that has been really uh time consuming in terms of people management and uh, the organizational aspect but very gratifying we've had up to 32 people go one year from across north america we've got great partners with the diocese in Barbados, st vincent and grenada and uh, they continually invite us to come back, so as long as they're inviting, we're, we're going to go.
0: Yeah, that's such a wonderful initiative. Uh, I, I certainly don't know of anyone else that, that does anything even remotely similar. If people want to find out more about Franciscan and Friends, I know that they have a website, but your website, dennisgrady.com?
6: Well, actually, franciscanandfriends.com is the best one. The Francis- next mission is going the latter part of October, November, okay. so we've got room on the bus, Pedro. Sorry, that's
0: when it, when is it going?
6: Uh, The end of October.
0: End of October. The end of October.
6: The last week of October, the first two weeks of November. I know. You
0: tell me every year, and every year I... (laughs) I, uh,
6: Bring a camera. Come have some fun. Yeah, I'd love
0: to go. So, franciscanandfriends.com. Anyway, Dennis, that's all the time we have, but uh, thank you for uh, uh, coming on uh, once again and telling us a little bit about uh, those wonderful things that you're involved in, and hopefully we can get uh, more people finding out about the Unity Awards and maybe maybe even going to the uh, conference and award ceremony in August.
6: Well, we got a horse saddle for you, Pedro, If you get out here in a cowboy hat, so we'll give you a warm Western welcome to Salt and Light, and we appreciate your help and the good work you're doing.
0: Thank you very much. All righty. That was Dennis Grady, singer, songwriter, and producer for the 2010 Unity Awards that will take place in Calgary August 27th and 28th. You can find out more about the Unity Awards at their website, UCMVA.com. That's Unity Catholic Music and Video Awards, UCMVA.com. And remember... All the links to all our guests and featured artists can also be found on our website, saltandlighttv.org, radio, so don't uh, get all flustered if you missed that link. Just go to saltandlighttv.org, radio. You can find the link there. Here now is Dennis with the title track of his album, Grace in the Strangest Places.
2: Tell me about the faith you are Tell me about the gift you bring My heart is longing for some answers I need some light I need light I got a glimpse of you
0: that was our featured artist of the week, Dennis Grady, with his song, Grace in the Strangest Places. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Our email address is radio at org, and our blog can be found at org slash blog. And now it's time again for events. Here now back with us is Mary Rose.
3: Thank you, Pedro. So now, these people have an active Facebook page, Regular Events with Young People in Such a Large Diocese, and they're immersing themselves in different forms of prayer. And these are the young people of the Archdiocese of St. John's, Newfoundland. Anne Walsh is the co-director of the Archdiocesan Office of Evangelization and Catechesis, and she joined me a couple of days ago to talk about the active youth ministry in St. John's. Hello, Anne, and thanks for joining us for Salt and Light Radio.
7: Hello, Mary Rose. It's a pleasure to talk to you.
3: Now, we understand that you have an active youth ministry at St. John's, and one of your big projects this summer or, or the rest of this year is gathering a group for World Youth Day uh, 2011. Can you talk about that?
7: Sure, I'd be glad to. We're, we're, we are gathering a group. We have about 26 right now uh, registered in our Facebook group for the and Pilgrimage to Madrid in 2011. Uh, what we're hoping to do and what we have been doing is gathering that group once a month between uh, this past winter and the actual pilgrimage to gather and talk about prepare spiritually I guess for the for the experience we've been looking at the notion of pilgrimage we've been praying together we've been exploring how we'll fundraise for the trip because we want to make that a communal venture as well mm-hmm. and so we've been doing the monthly gatherings and then in between uh, we, we keep in touch by Facebook book and, and put out um, notices to one another, share some reflections on questions that come up, or questions that we, we post in preparation for the monthly gatherings.
3: Now, you mentioned that you're using Facebook creatively. What does that mean, and how has it helped you in your ministry?
7: Well, it's a strong uh, learning curve for me, but I got my nephew to help me mm-hmm. to uh, set up a Facebook page, And what we've been trying to do is not just use it to post notices to everybody so it's a very effective means of of social interaction that way but also then to to post some reflection questions in preparation for each of the monthly gatherings so that we're using facebook not just as an interaction among the group but to get get some uh, some thinking and reflecting and prayer so that we're prepared for the gatherings when we see each other face to face
3: now, you're also working with the chaplaincy group at Memorial University, which, as you mentioned, is the only university in St. John's. So what are you involved in there?
7: Well, we have uh, an interdenominational chaplaincy. Uh, we used to, at one point, have a Catholic uh, college at, at uh, Memorial University, and it's been many years since that was the case. So what we're trying to do now is uh, revitalize the church presence on campus, And to do that we are working with a real strong group of uh, ecumenical chaplains but we have two roman catholic chaplains uh, a a pentecostal chaplain a united church chaplain and an anglican chaplain all working together and one of our projects that we've been working on has been uh we call it contemplate but it's uh, a monthly gathering for for young people not just university students anybody who wants to come uh, young adults from around st john's uh faculty uh, support staff at the university to come uh, one Tuesday a month, and we gather, we celebrate some sort of contemplative prayer experience, Teze, Lexio Divina, and we've been, uh, after that, we, we share a meal. So that's been a really uh, exciting thing. And we've been get drawing a fairly large crowd for us, um, between 25 and 30 people. Now, I so thought it was
3: interesting that you mentioned um, Contemplate has a big C and a big P <laughs> to show how it's, uh, you're, you're in prayer, but also in uh, you're having a meal together. I thought that was great.
7: Yeah, you know, we, yeah, it, Jesus often shared meals with his followers, and so we're just trying to take a step, uh, p- a leaf out of Jesus' book. And uh, so, what we do is one of the chaplains volunteers to lead the prayer this uh, once a month, and then another volunteers to bring uh, soup, another to bring a vegetarian uh, chili uh, or some kind of vegetarian dish, and somebody else to bring bread. And so, we literally break bread together, and it's a great chance to, to share and explore the tradition that's, that's ours. But uh, some, of, some of our, our uh, brothers and sisters of other faiths have uh, you know, str- strengths that we don't have, and we have strengths that they don't have. So it's a real sharing of the contemplative tradition of the Church.
3: Now, your, your next event is coming up Tuesday, April 13th. It and where is, is that?
7: It's at St. John's College Chapel, and uh, which is on the Munn campus. And uh, it's at uh, 5 p.m. And so it's we gather you know, in, in contemplative silence and uh, you know, usually with chant. And I think, again, this time our our focus is Taizei prayer, and so we'll share an experience of Taze prayer, a, a bit of a, we call it an oasis of calm in the middle of a hectic week. And this week will be hectic for students because it's the beginning of exams.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah, so hopefully we'll get some people who do want to come and pray and uh, and share a meal together. And students and faculty and support staff seem to enjoy that.
3: Now, how can we find out more about your events with youth well, ministry?
7: our there's a number of places certainly on facebook if you're on facebook you can you know become a member or follow us in any way at all um we also have an archdiocesan website and uh, it's it's got a tremendously complicated address so the best thing to do is google archdiocese of st john's we're in the process actually tomorrow beginning to change over our website and revamp it with the help I'll add of some of our young adults so we've got a group coming in tomorrow of young adults and uh, our vicar general and a couple of advisors from the diocese to meet with a communications company that specializes in website design and one of the things we're going to be exploring is how can we get a simpler name for <laughs> our, our website
3: <laughs> now so uh, for now we have Facebook how can they find you on Facebook
7: you can just find us with St. Saint, uh, Saint John's Archdiocese and Pilgrimage
3: That's great. Thank you so much, Anne.
7: You are very welcome. It's been a pleasure. God bless. You too.
3: Again, that was Anne Walsh, co director of the Archdiocesan Office of Evangelization and Catechesis for St. John's, Newfoundland. To find out more about youth ministry in St. John's, look them up on Facebook, or for now, while the official Archdiocesan website is being revamped, go to stjohnsarchdiocese.nf.ca.
1: You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117.
0: I'm Pedro Guevara Man.
3: And I'm Mary Rose Bacani.
0: And we hope that you were with us during Holy Week and the Easter Triduum as uh, we brought you all the celebrations from the Vatican with Pope Benedict XVI.
3: And we hope that you will stay watching Salt and Light television because this coming Tuesday is In Your Faith. This week, Byron and Rosanna look at the Sacrament of Confirmation.
0: Yeah, it's a good episode and it's a good show in your faith. Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern and it repeats at 9 p.m. Pacific.
3: And on Saturday, the Holy Father goes on his first apostolic journey of the year, this one to Malta. Yes,
0: we've been talking about this uh, upcoming trip for a bit now and you can watch all the main events of that trip live on Salt and Light television, beginning with the welcome ceremony on Saturday, April 17th at 11 a.m. Eastern.
3: And following the welcome ceremony, Pope Benedict will meet with the President of Malta That's at 12.15 p.m. Eastern.
0: And right after the meeting with the President, the Holy Father will go to the Cave of St. Paul in Rabat. This will air at 1.45 p.m. Eastern.
3: So that's, that's all on Saturday, the 17th. And the next day, Sunday, April 18th, the Holy Father will celebrate Mass at the Floriana Granaries. We will carry that live at 4 a.m. Eastern, followed by the Regina Celli at 6 a.m. Eastern.
0: And then the Pope will meet with young people, and that's at 11.15 a.m. Eastern. And then the departure ceremony will be at 12.40 p.m. Eastern.
3: So as you can see, it'll be a packed weekend with the Pope in Malta. And if you missed all those times, don't worry, you can get all those times and events on our website. Saltandlighttv.org,
0: and it'll be a packed uh, weekend for you too, Mary Rose, because you'll be hosting. That's
3: right. I was trying to keep that a secret. But so, yes, if you want to see Mary
0: be. Rose in action, tune in. You can watch all our programming streaming live at Saltandlighttv.org. If you're outside our broadcast area, um, Mary Rose will be one of the co-hosts for the uh, all the events. Uh, sadly, she will not be in Malta, but she'll be hosting <laughs> from here in Canada. And when the Pope returns back to r- to the Vatican. You can end the day with Lexio Divina, that's next Sunday with Toronto's Archbishop Thomas Collins as he prays with us through the parable of the faithful and wise manager.
3: That's at 8:30 p.m. Eastern and we'll repeat at 9 p.m. Pacific.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's Sunday, April the 18th. So that's all for today. I want to once again thank our intern, Lawrence Floucault for that wonderful reflection on Pier Giorgio Forsati that I read at the beginning. Well, may Pier Giorgio pray for us.
3: And we might as well thank our sound engineer, Javier Capella.
0: Might as well. <laughs> and the CEO of the Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation is Father Thomas Rosica.
3: And our news producer, Krista Matrenko. I'm Mary Ospikani.
0: And I'm Pedro Guevara-Man. And this has been Salt and Light Radio.